This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. God is at work. But I think we need to be perfectly honest with each other. Some of us don't like the work that God is doing in us right now. Some of us might be in positions where the work that God is doing is stretching us to the uttermost, and we're not very comfortable with that. Sometimes the work that God does within us isn't pleasurable for the moment or for the season. But God is still at work. We're a work in progress. That's what Pastor David will be sharing with us in our message today. Understand that when we accept Jesus as our Savior, that's only the beginning. We start out as infants. We start consuming the gentle milk of the Word. As we take little steps of obedience, we'll grow and mature. As we do so, God will begin to introduce meat into our diet. He'll share with us the heavier matters of the Scriptures, things that take more work to digest. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 1, with part 1 of our message entitled, An Amazing Work. We are in the book of Ephesians. If you need a Bible this morning, just raise your hand. Our ushers will be quick to give you one so you can follow along with us. We looked at the passage of chapter 1 in Ephesians verses 15 through 22. And and as we looked at verses 15 through 22 of chapter 1, I actually stopped at the first portion of verse 19. And I did so on purpose because, again, there was so much to glean in, particularly in that verse 19 and in the following verses. I didn't want to rush through it all and try and cram in those things. So, Again, I want to do justice to these verses as we go on, and we're not in any particular time schedule in finishing Ephesians. I'd be fine if the Lord came while we were still in Ephesians. That's okay with me. In all of this, though, we need to understand that as I began the title of this morning's message as an amazing work, it came to me as we looked at this that it is a work in progress for every one of us. Every one of us are in progress. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm mistaken. Anybody arrived already? I didn't think so. Even Paul himself says, I don't count that I've arrived at this point. I continue to press on. So we are a work in progress, and we need to understand that. So if you would, uh, what I want to do is go back now, and let's look at the whole, and then we'll focus in on some of the particulars of this passage. I want to go back to verse 15, and we'll read through verse 23 of Ephesians chapter 1. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places." far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. 
And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's a powerful passage. And as we look at this, this morning I want to kind of break up where we're at into three different sections. We are dealing still with the power of God, and you need to understand that. So the first part of our section is going to be dealing with the power. The second thing is the object of that power. The third thing will be the work of that power in our lives. So this morning as we begin, we begin with the power. I shared with you during our earlier portion of the study as we looked at verses 18 and the beginning portion of 19 that Paul is praying this prayer. He prays that the eyes of our understanding would be open. Opened in order that we might know, as he says, but in verse 19, that we might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power. And that's what we're going to be looking at again this morning. I explained to you earlier that Paul was speaking, this power is the power of God, the power of God working in the lives of his children. That very word used for power, again, we spoke of it, it's that Greek word dunamis, and dunamis has along with it the idea, believe it not, uh, of, of violence as well as strength. It, it has the idea of force and power. It's where we get that word, what? Dynamite. Also, the word dynamic even comes from the same kind of thought and idea. But this morning, I want to back up just a little bit, and I want to look at what I believe is the focus that Paul has and that Paul is trying to drive home to the believers there as he writes to the church of Ephesus and the surrounding churches. As we focus a little bit on that word dunamis, I don't believe that even that word, as powerful as that word, as dynamic as that word is, could even begin to describe all that God desires to make known to us in this passage. And as the Holy Spirit continues to inspire Paul to be able to to write the words, and I believe, yes, even choosing the words that he wrote, Paul writes not just about the power of God, but the greatness of his power. That word that's translated as greatness actually comes to us from the Greek word megathos, and megathos comes from the root word megas. Now, we ought to know among uh, all people of the earth, really, what the word megas means, shouldn't we? I mean, we hear it all the time. We hear how if you play the lottery, you can win mega millions. If you go to the store, they're having a mega sale. Maybe after church today, you're going to go to the restaurant, and you're going to get mega fries with a mega drink and a mega three patty with extra cheese, super heart attack mega burger. We, above all people, know what mega means. But Mega speaks more than just that. Mega has that idea of dealing with not just the form and the size and the measure of an item, but the intensity of that item and and how that item impacts whatever it touches. It's much more than just big. It actually deals with the biggest, the, the mightiest, the strongest, the greatest of all things. So God is demonstrating the overwhelming greatness of this dunamis, this power, this violence, this strength 
in the greatest of all ways. His power toward us who believe. And as cool and as awesome as that is for us, Paul isn't satisfied even with that descriptive language, I believe because the Spirit of God isn't done yet. Because, again, as the Spirit of God leading him, Paul writes not just the greatness of the power at work, he adds another description to it. Remember, he puts on there the exceeding greatness of his power. And with that phrase, the exceeding greatness of his power, here Paul uses a term that's not used anywhere else in all of the New Testament except in the writings of Paul. That exceeding, that word exceeding. Now bear with me just a little bit more here as we look even at the word exceeding. The word translated in your King James Version or your New King James Version as exceeding is translated a little bit different in other translations. The New American Standard says the surpassing greatness. The New Revised Standard says immeasurable greatness. The New Jerusalem Bible says how extraordinarily great it is. And the Weiss New Testament says superabounding greatness. All descriptive of the power, the dynamite, the dynamic of what God is working within us. And the Greek word for exceeding, it comes from the word hupabalon. And I'm going to tell you something in English. It sounds funny to me to be speaking to you about English tenses and all these things because I'm bad at these things, okay? But I can read about them. And and when I do read about it, it kind of excites me when I see things like this. But the word that Paul is using there, hooper-balon, is the present active participle of hooper-balon. Now, doesn't that just blow you away? Doesn't that just excite you to know in? And aren't you ready to go out and just charge onto the world for that? Well, hang on, I'll explain it in a minute. But hooper-balon, which is the root word, comes from, it is a compound word. And it comes from two Greek words, hooper, meaning over and belo, which means to throw. And in essence, what the word means is to throw beyond the mark, to throw over, to throw beyond the mark. And we use phrases like, and actually this is a biblical phrase, going the extra mile. Did you know that Jesus gave us that phrase? We also use other phrases in our language, over the top, and he's just over the top in what he's doing and, and how he's doing it. But in Paul's day, this, this word, hooperbelo, it meant to surpass, to excel, to, to go beyond measure. And because there's so much in a word, the Amplified Bible puts it this way. The immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power. Now, you add to all that, remember what I said, it's a present active tense. Well, all that means is that it refers to an action that is currently taking place and or it's repeatedly taking place. It's not a past tense. It's currently active in our lives. When we put it all together, the understanding of not only the dunamis, the power of God, the megathos, the greatness of that power, the hupervalon, the exceeding greatness of that power, when we put it all together, we understand that Paul desires that you and I, that even, yes, the church today would have the eyes of our understanding opened or enlightened 
in order that we might know and understand what is the immeasurable, surpassing, superabundant, over-the-top, extraordinarily, mightiest, strongest, greatest, most dynamic, explosive, and yes, sometimes violent force that God is, was, and continually is working within us. I'm glad I got an amen out of that. Last night, everybody goes, so I'm glad you guys are listening. All that, God is working within you, and Paul has this prayer that says, Lord, let them see this. Let them understand this. That's what my prayer is for you today, that you and I, in the midst of the battles that we face, in the midst of the failures that we face in the midst of the walls that are before us, that we would understand all that God is working on our behalf, that immeasurable, surpassing, super abundant, over-the-top, extraordinary, mightiest, strongest, greatest, most dynamic, explosive, and yes, sometimes even violent force that God is, was, and continually works within us, within us. Paul says God is doing all of that to whom? Toward us who believe. We have become now the object of that power. Power of his actions, the power of his plans, the power of of the very might and essence of God. Those of us who have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, we who believe that power, I don't want to say that it's at our disposal because that makes it like we control it and we just kind of pull it out and flash it around whenever we want. No, it's the power that God is working in and through us today. It is ours. He says he is working toward those who believe. And beloved, It may sound very exclusive to say that it only works toward those who believe. But that's okay. It's because it is exclusive. Because God is working that in you. He's not working that in the non-believer. He works that toward us who believe. Yet understand that the gospel itself is universal in its invitation, and yet it's very, very exclusive in its benefits. It's a move within the church right now called universalism that, that eventually everybody's going to go to heaven. No, that's not what the Word of God declares. The benefits of salvation are very exclusive to those who believe. The Word's very clear about that. Peter, in his first sermon there on the day of Pentecost, you remember as he stood there after all the events that had happened, he declared the universality of the invitation there in Acts chapter 2. You might want to turn there. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, Peter says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. Whosoever shall call. That's a universal call. And Jesus himself, though, makes a very bold declaration back in John 6.37. Now stay in Acts 2. We'll be back there in a moment. But Jesus himself declared that all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. When we come to Christ in faith, he receives us. He does not cast us out. And in the crowd of people there before Peter on the day of Pentecost, 
There in chapter 2, we read how they were from all these surrounding nations. It was this call to all of these surrounding nations. There were Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia. They were from Judea and Cappadocia. They were from Pontius and Asia. They were from Phrygia and Pamphylia. They came out of Egypt and parts of Libya from Cyrene. And there were strangers even that came from Rome says that there were both Jews as well as proselytes. There were Cretes and Arabians. So the call, the, the invitation was just as it is today, I believe, universal. But the effect of that call is only upon those who believe. So as we stick with this event there in Acts chapter 2, we read in verse 37, how when Peter had finished his message, and again, his, his message was not a seeker-sensitive message, by the way. He spoke about this Jesus whom you crucified. He's the one that you have to have faith in. And as he continued on by the empowering of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the strictness of that message, the power of that message, at the end of it, the people came to him. Verse 37 says that now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to most of the people or to a few of the people who are far off. Is that what it says, church? It says to all who are far off. It's a universal call. And then he does say, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, without getting into a theological debate of predestination and election and free will and free choice, the one thing I want you to bear in mind here, as this is where we see God is at work throughout the entire creation in a multitude of ways. And when we get back to Ephesians, Paul is speaking to believers. And he's concerned that our eyes would be open to see and to understand that exceeding greatness of that power toward us who believe. That's the exclusiveness of it, to us who believe. The invitation is open, I believe, to the whosoevers. But it's only effectual to the one who comes. And that brings us in the effect of that to the work that God is doing in our lives. This work is the exceeding great power that's at work within us. Paul tells us, according to the working of his mighty power. Beloved, you need to understand that God not only worked in the past, but he continues to work right now today. And yes, he's going to be working in your life tomorrow, too. God is at work. But I think we need to be perfectly honest with each other. Some of us don't like the work that God is doing in us right now. Some of us might be in positions where the work that God is doing is stretching us to the uttermost. And we're not very comfortable with that. Sometimes the work that God does within us isn't pleasurable for the moment or for the season. But God is still at work. 
Stop for a moment. If you're in the midst of that, if you're in the midst of that time of, of tension and struggle and trial and you're not comfortable with what God is doing in your life, I want you to stop for a moment. I want you to take a deep breath. And in the midst of all that God is doing and all that's happening in your life, you need to know this. He's not finished yet. Now, you can take that a couple of different ways. It may get harder, okay? It may get harder. But he is in control. He is in charge. But for some of you, perhaps the worst is over, and now he is going to begin a rebuilding process to make you all that he desires you to be. And you see, when God begins work in an individual, let's admit it, there's a lot of garbage we've got to clear out of the way first before he can really get to the work. So maybe it's just house cleaning time in your life. It is that furnace of getting rid of all the yuck and the gook in order for you to be able to be used in a way that he's designed and purpose. You know, for years I worked in the construction business. I worked both commercial and residential. I worked both new construction as well as remodeling. And I can tell you from experience that both in a physical realm as well as in a spiritual understanding of it, that, that new construction, as messy as new construction is, new construction becomes almost sterile compared to remodeling. Because when you remodel, everything is out of whack. At least in new construction, it's, a, it's just a forward-going process. But in reconstruction, there's a tearing down that has to happen first, isn't there? You see, in many of our lives, there's that remodeling process that's going on. And in that tearing down, is it because God doesn't love you? No, it's because he does love you. And he has such a great and glorious plan for you. And if we can just hang in there through that teardown process... Oh, what he has planned for us is so glorious. My wife and I remodeled our house a few years ago. We remodeled not only uh, the bathrooms and the bedrooms. We also went to the living room and the dining room and, and the kitchen. And in essence, there was no part of our house that was left untouched from this whole remodel. I want you to bear with me for a moment as I kind of bring that remodeling into the idea and the thought of what God does in our life. Our house, when we first got it, it was an older house, and it was very functional. Everything that we pretty much needed was there. It was, it was a functional house. But from the time that we started the remodeling until the time that we stopped, it was about seven years. And if you'll notice, I didn't say finished because we'll, we'll never be finished. We'll, yeah, there's always going to be something there. And that's the way it is with God in your life. I, I just want to encourage you with that word. God will never be finished with you. There will be this continual working. And about the time you think, whew, man, praise God, I've arrived. Uh, he, he said, oh, no, you haven't. Some of the work we knew needed to be done. It was very evident. As a matter of fact, the first work that we knew, as I got out of the shower one day and my foot hit the wall and the wall moved, I knew that there was some evident work that needed to be done. In some of our lives, there's evident work that needs to be done. But you know what? Some of that remodeling was just for our good pleasure. We just wanted to do it to make it more usable and that we might delight in it more. And you know what? God does that in your life, too. 
You might be very functional as a Christian, but you know what? God doesn't want to leave you as functional. God wants to design you. He has purposed you, and he will form you and make you, if you allow him, to be his delight, his good pleasure. Bear with me as I show you some of these things, because it really is for a purpose. Some believers, they get to a point in their life and say, Lord, I've gone through enough. And God says, no, no, you haven't really. You haven't. I've got some more for you. So hang in there. My power is going to be at work with you. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard The Open Word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through God's Word. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.